between the fangs. How, okay, is it just me? <laughs> That's our new what, intro. What was that? That's our new intro. <laughs> is it just me? Or have like 20 new Predators podcasts popped up this year? In the past couple weeks, I, I don't. I don't think I've seen any of them, but I. I don't really listen to any uh, Predators podcasts besides ours. Oh yeah, I mean, except for all those at Planet Box Radio, which are great. But ours is, I mean, easily the best. Uh, full disclosure to our listeners: George brought his dog, we, uh, which is lovely. I do love uh, all dogs, really, but George's is fine too. Uh, <laughs> He's an adventurous little guy. So if you hear like, if the audio is like, if we're like moving around. It's probably because we're looking to see what he's look like licking, including a giant skull that yes. that Michael keeps in his house. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, so apologies for that, but you know, there's always some like every episode has like a fun little audio quirk or like you know. I liked the one where we uh, we were outside. I thought that was I thought that was a good one. Yeah. Um. Maybe that can be like our playoff reward. <laughs> every when it when it's warm enough to sit out by the pool, we can always record. We do. We do. <laughs> We had the guy play Call of Duty music in the background yeah. or speed mode or whatever it was. So, have we... Okay, remind me. Because it has been, shocker, a while since we have <laughs> done one. I believe that was before the season started. Yeah, we did yeah, like a little was preview. A, okay, yeah. so we're, we're 12 games in? Yes. Yeah, 12 games. 12 games in. Um, Nashville is an interesting team. I, I, I can pretty confidently say that they have never... In my experience with the team, they have never looked quite like this. They are basically like a wild animal offensively, um, who then kind of strays a little too far from home yeah. defensively. Would you say that's a that's an accurate assessment? Yeah, they look like my dog whenever there's a loud noise. He gets really skirtish and runs away. This is this entire episode is going to be heavily themed around George's dog. Yeah, my dog is a bit of a coward. He's really bored as well, so he's just sniffing absolutely everything. Now this is a small house, so there won't be a lot to get into. But if there are pauses, um, you know, deal with it. You get <laughs> such as when he jumps on the counter. But as always with Between the Fangs podcast, you are getting what you're paying for. So, George, uh, what should we talk about first? I think we should probably break down, you know, some of the more obvious things like the big additions that they have made. Players who are really sticking out this year so far. uh, And then players who maybe we aren't seeing quite what we expected or hoped from. Obviously, I think the first player that comes to mind that we should talk about is Matt Duchesne. I think his his impact has been noticeable and immediate, well, although I think it has tapered um, off. I mean, he he had a bit of an injury. Yeah, and it's been a it was a lot more immediate when he had Forsberg, but yeah, even even before he was injured, he still wasn't playing up to the standard that we saw in the first couple of games with him and Forsberg, especially in the offensive zone. Um, I like Turris a lot, but. He's not the same player as Forsberg, and he doesn't get open like him. And, you know, when Granlund became the, the star attraction and became the first shooting option, things started to fall apart. I don't think that Duchesne's had a pass to the slot in the last five games he's played. Maybe maybe he's had one successful one, but, like, before he was averaging two per game, which is just insane. I mean, if you put that in for 60, it's, it's probably going to lead the league. But it just... it. Without Forsberg, 
and including this injury, things have just really fallen off. Yeah, I mean, oddly enough, I'd say Duchesne was one of the very few Nashville forwards who I completely did not notice against Chicago. Yeah. I mean, that was... In a game um, where Nick oh Benito sh- shone through. Yeah, that was more or less the worst hockey game I've ever seen in terms of competitiveness. <laughs> <laughs> it was just pitiful, uh, pitiful effort from a very bad Chicago Blackhawks team. But yeah, Duchesne, I think uh, he kind of just faded into the woodwork in that game. And I haven't, I haven't really picked apart what that has to do with Forsberg's absence as much as you have. I mean, we just don't, we don't have a sample size, and we should mention this from the get go. Like, we don't have enough of a sample size with him and Forsberg, and we certainly don't have enough of a sample size with him without Forsberg. Yeah. I mean, Forsberg's played eight minutes away from Duchesne at five on five. Yeah, like that's very clearly not enough of a sample size. And I think they've only played seventy minutes together in general. Like. It's you can't make any assumption or any assertions from that and yeah. sound credible as though some other people in the national stats community might try to. <laughs> Shade. Ah. Um, what are they gonna do? Fight me? They're just a giant calculator. Oh, <laughs> I see. <laughs> um. Anyhow. Yeah. So Forsberg's day-to-day injury has now spanned a couple of weeks at least. Yeah, I think it's I think been two weeks now. It's uh, and really. It's bizarre. I mean, I don't want to speculate. I didn't even see it happen. I haven't seen any replays from it. I guess I, the hit, quote-unquote, the hit, that... Oh, is it the Mark Stone hit? Yeah, it was, it was a Mark Stone. And I th- I think the like there was some debate over the, the legality of the hit. I think that it probably should have been looked at. I, um, I looked at it and I saw, I saw a game. I don't, yeah, I don't think no, it was no, on no, purpose. No. I don't think there was any malice there. But, no, you know... It's not a hit I want to see with... Yeah. Elevating the elbow, but it's not like no. I've I don't, seen. I don't a lot. think we should all get the pitchforks out. I've seen a lot worse. Yeah. Anyway, so I assumed, and I'm still sort of secretly assuming that this is actually a head injury that they have somehow, for some reason, hmm, maybe he fell on his butt and classified, cracked yeah, his, uh, so. his tailbone. Yeah. I think that perhaps they're just misclassifying it because. That's what the league and its teams do. Yeah. I don't like to talk about Which, by the way, this will be an aside that we will come back to later. But the Yossi contract made me sit and think about something for a while. So remind, remind me to come back to that. Oh. I don't want to get off on one of our legendary tangents <laughs> quite yet. We were only seven minutes in this yeah. pod. We, kinda, we need to hold on to it. Other players that we have noticed in a good way. Why don't you, uh, why don't you list one? Kelly uh, Yarncroke. Yep. He has only gotten better with minutes because that the first couple games when he was on that third line, I really didn't see much from him at all. Like he was averaging probably like one controlled excellent entry per game, which really isn't all that much. But now that he's with, uh, now that he's playing on that with Johansson Arvidsson, I mean, he is awesome. He's been fantastic. He's moving the puck through the neutral zone, especially when while well, Arvidsson has had issues doing so. And I've I've talked a little bit about it on Twitter, but he's his numbers from last compared from last year to this year are in free fall. And you can kind of see a little bit about that. Like, his game is changing. Arvidsson, you're saying. Arvidsson, yeah, thank yeah. you. Arvidsson's game is changing as we as this year is going on. I mean, someone, I can't remember who pointed out that his shots per 60 was way down. And I made a note of it in one of my articles, but I, again, I had said, like, yeah, we're seven games in, you know. Right. Something to watch, but nothing we can really take any, we can make any points from, but... It has not gone up. He is still having a lot of... He's having issues finding the net, and he has issues getting the puck off his stick in time. I mean, yeah, he's become a perimeter player 
where he usually thrives in the slot. So, he I would say Arvidsson is certainly a player that is no disappointed. Disappointed yeah. for sure. Although he still has like four or five goals or something. Yeah, um, I mean he's just like the thing with Arvidsson was shooting percentage is still twenty three point five three percent. And maybe that's just going to be his career. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's what we've well, said all, all last year was... Nick Benino's up to 33% yeah. after last night. Yeah. Um, you know, credit to, to Nick Benino for being right there in the crease oh, yeah. on all three goals. No, but he knows yeah, exactly where his money is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think that we should expect... Well, he's currently... Uh, Benino is currently Nashville's leading scorer, I believe. And I don't think that is something we should expect to continue. <laughs> Uh, again, only 12 games in, and Forsberg has missed half of those. I think Forsberg will probably end up, assuming he yeah. comes back playing a similar level he left. At, I mean, which we don't know the injury, so we don't know how right. it'll, how it'll be affected. But yeah, yeah. I uh, just jumping back onto the whatever train we were on with Arvidsson. I am. Oh no, we were actually before that the Kalyankrup. Yes, I really liked him. Um, he has the most high danger shots messed up though. Which is a stat that I am now tracking, where I see someone who gets a clean pass in the slot or in a high danger area, and then flubs the shot in any way, shape, or form. Mark Whether, yeah, he leads in that yeah. stat. Like I think you saw last night, he got a pass and just like fell down. Yes, or, like missed. That was the pass I was about. To, I was telling you about before the show. Yeah, the, the Johansson was falling down and backhanded a pass past the defender to Kelly Arnker, who was by himself in front of Leonard, and he. I guess he was as surprised as I was <laughs> yeah. by the pass because he literally just fell down yeah. uh, in the slot. Oh, yeah. Yarn, yeah, Yarncroke and Arvidsson were doing their damnedest to make sure that Johansson, Ryan Johansson didn't get a point. He looked so... I think Johansson at all strengths, by my count, he had, I think, six shots on goal, which has got to be a career record for him. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Uh, yeah, he's been awesome. Yeah. To your point, not to tangent back to the other tangent. <laughs> We're so bad at this. Uh, how are you already in the weeds? Uh, to your point about Arvidsson shooting was, he, this is, I mean, again, very small sample size, but this is the first season in his career that he's had not double-digit individual shots per 60. He's yeah. currently at under seven at five on five, and yeah. normally it starts with that. It starts with an 11. And, yeah, I've had him at, like, when I saw him a week ago, or when I saw the number a week ago, it was like six point like six three. Yeah. So it's kind of stayed similar. So Arvidsson is getting a bit of Craig Smith syndrome, where all of a sudden this year he's not the volume shooter that he was, and that's certainly I don't really mean this as a positive or negative either player Craig Smith or Victor Arvidsson, but they are volume shooters. They're that's what they do. they're going to make their money off of just putting everything on net and hoping something works. And I mean. Certainly for Arvidsson and, and off and on through Craig Smith's career, that tends to work. I mean, they're going to pile in the goals, but yeah. they need to be shooting. They're not going to be your... I mean, Arvidsson, basically Arvidsson is not Forsberg. He's not going to kind of create the perfect shot. He's just going to hammer everything on net and hope it works. And right now he's not hammering things on net, so... Yeah, things are still apparently working. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, the shooting percentage is really bizarre because that's, I mean, obviously by far the highest of his career... But it will, is it compared to last year though? Well, last year he finished with a sixteen percent, so he's crazy. at five on five, right? Yes. Yeah, five yeah. on five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I guess, and and that brings us to another point, and I think that you know, as much as it pains me to say, you do have to say that Ryan Johansson has been a bit of a disappointing player this year. Certainly mm-hmm. not up to his usual standard. Mm-hmm. 
and overshadowed a bit perhaps in Italy. I mean, it's, it's certainly made us do a bit of soul searching because everything that I had looked at in previous years indicated that he was driving that Jofa line mm-hmm. and not, not quite as much as I maybe had thought initially. I think it was more of a group effort than I, I admitted, admitted off the bat, but I did not expect the removal of Forsberg to really mm-hmm. hamper his production all that much. Um, but, and I don't know if that is what's happened. I mean, it may, again, it's, it could be a slow start. It yeah. could be, it could be all of these things. I mean, the other thing that was interesting to me was it's not just removing Philip Forsberg, but you're putting in Craig Smith or Cal Yankrook, which I like both players, but they're not up to that talent level. Yeah. And the things that they do well are not the things that Philip Forsberg does well. And so I think it could just be like the line makeup could also be his more defensive uh, assignments during the game, which as you let me know, do not matter. But yeah. But I mean, his quality of competition has gone up while his quality of teammates has gone down. Like, yeah, we probably should have ex- expected something like this. And if it goes up cool and if it doesn't, maybe then we'll, then we'll have something to worry about. Yeah. It's definitely a, a new problem. And it, I think they had a bit of this issue last year because, you know, I, I seem to recall when Turris was signed, there was a lot of discussion over, <laughs> which is just laughable now, but how much center depth they suddenly had, which really should goes to show you how poor it was for a while. If like the addition of Kyle Turris suddenly sends the team into this big conversation about how do we have too many centers, right? Um, but now, I mean, that is like a genuine thing. There's just, an overcrowding of talent really in the top six and if certain combinations aren't working you you have options i mean you there are there are other ways to kind of mix and match and peter laviolette certainly likes doing that when when things aren't going well he will try about every combo he can think of so it will be interesting to see i still feel like at some point they might just bring back the Johansson Forsberg Arvidsson line. And honestly, I think that would, that would probably be a good call. Yeah. Um, assuming yeah. Forsberg does, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's quite possible that Forsberg will come back and he and Duchesne will just pick up where they left off and score combined for four or five points a night. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But I'm assuming that will start to come down to earth. And then you're going to basically have Johansson's line is not performing well. And Duchesne's line is not, overperforming to such a level that it can carry. Nick Benino is not going to score three goals every night, um, nor perhaps maybe ever again. Now that is a curse because he will definitely get a hat trick tomorrow oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, against the Flames. But yeah, you're. It's it's bizarre because normally it's we're stuck in this position where we're talking about Johansson's line making up for the shortcomings of the rest of the forwards, and right now it's kind of the opposite. We're no one's paying quite as much attention to the his line's relative ineffectiveness because the rest of the forwards are, are currently picking up the slack. But I think that also kind of leads into that there is, you know, not counting Mika Salamaki, who has played five games, but you have one, two, three, four. You have four players that are shooting above 20% right now. And including 10%, you have seven. And if you want to include over the average, you have eight. Maybe yeah. even ten. So half half the roster right now is is shooting above league average, if not yeah. well, well, well above league average. Matias Ekholm is shooting nine percent, which is I think above like three points above the defenseman league yeah. average. Like 
I don't know, man. You could say Duchesne shot a little bit below average, but I I don't know. Like Duchesne's at seven point six nine. Yossi's above average at seven point four one. Johansson's a little bit below, but like he doesn't take all that many shots. I kind of expect him to have a little bit below average shooting percentage. I don't know. I a lot of this offense just kind of does not seem super sustainable, especially when you consider that like. Nick Benino has an expected goal, an expected individual goal of 1.6 and currently has 5. Colin Sissons has 0.9 and currently has 3. It's hard to think that that, that depth scoring is going to continue. So basically we're sitting here yet again telling people not to be excited about this. I mean, don't be, be excited. Just, you know, when it stops, <laughs> don't, don't look at us and say, well, why didn't anyone tell us? Yeah, that's true. That's all I want. And... and don't flood the internet with articles about trying to crack this code of why the team's scoring suddenly dried up because it's just it's called regression, baby. <laughs> you should put another one of your legendary articles about one one word articles. <laughs> just, okay. Why is the Predators' depth scoring dried up and then the moderation <laughs> regression? Yeah. I mean, it it is kind of funny. Just last night, I I had a tweet where I called it just the regression from from Arvidsson from last year, mm-hmm. where he just shot up so above his own clip and. <laughs> he couldn't buy a goal to save his life. Yeah. And that's that's how it goes. Mm. Robin Leonard would have given one if, you know, he yeah. donated that money to the Trump campaign. <laughs> <laughs> no, I posted it too late. It was like 11.30 or midnight <laughs> when I posted my joke about Robin Leonard putting up a wall. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't help myself. I, I've, I couldn't remember if that was him or not. But yeah, that was... Anyway. Him and Grace were last year. But yeah, that's... We digress. Yeah. We, uh... We accept all kinds. <laughs> Anyone who will listen to us yeah. cannot be picky. Um, anyhow, so that's pretty much forwards covered. Defensemen, I think you and I have talked a little bit about this year. It's become quite clear so far that Dante Fabro is not ready for the NHL. At least that's, top four minutes, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, or at least, yeah, not, not ready for the role that they're putting him in. Now, he's not been, I don't know, I don't think it's like, a disaster enough to do anything about it, and it's kind of what you would expect. I mean, he's brand new to the league. Yeah. It's nothing against him. I just think he clearly needs more time to get settled. And, I, I mean, how, how many games did he play for the team last year? Like, it was including 10. playoffs, it was, 10, was, I think? It was four, four in the regular season yeah. and six in the playoffs. And, and that that playoff series was junk. I mean, that's you can't really base anything off of that. So yeah, we that, be, that was that was the true regression. Everything. Yeah, right. It all came crashing down. Yeah. Um, so I don't. We basically have four games to evaluate Dante Fabro, and apparently, not that I'm upset about it. That was enough to decide that he was a replacement for PK Subban. <laughs> yeah, who who could have seen that going wrong? But he's been he's been bad. Um, yeah, he like the thing that stands out to me is he really doesn't make an impact. Um, the one the number that I that I have that. I think is the most interesting is that he's given up by like five or six the most high danger passes of anyone on the team. Wow, which is big, um, obviously. But on top of that, he's just he doesn't move the puck very well. He doesn't most of his most of the time he gets the puck out. It's usually because of dumping it or you know a non possession exit, which is hampering the Predators. Teams are not necessarily the fastest team in the world. They they need they'll thrive more off of a possession based style. And that's putting a lot of the weight onto Matthias Ekholm, who 
I like Matias Ekholm a lot, but moving the puck was never his strong suit. Yeah. And I wonder, too, if, if teams are sort of... Teams that are talented enough and well-coached enough to do this might be targeting Fabro's side of the ice. That, that yeah. You know, I mean, left during, and right side, depending on which perspective. But because, I mean... During the regular season, it's, it's not as easy because, you know, you're just there yeah. for one night. Yeah. But during a playoff series, I could definitely see it. And when, teams do it. I mean, Boston did it quite heavily against Toronto last year. Yeah. And the year before. But yeah, when you've got, you know, Matthias Ekholm... A, a truly excellent defenseman, and then on his opposite side, you have Dante Fabra, who's played, you know, maybe fifteen regular season <laughs> NHL games now. Yeah, yeah. you're probably going to lean. You're just naturally going to have more space yeah. on that side, most likely. So he's he's only going to keep getting that volume of passing and and quality of you know opponents. So I mean, the other thing too is Ekholm is doing a lot of skating. He is moving the puck a lot and. A lot of that's passing, a lot of that's skating, but he's still playing his defensive brand of, you know, being tough and fighting in the corners and, you know, making life hell for other for their for the opposition. But I'm really curious to see how his body holds up over an A two game stint where he has to effectively cover for Fabro and also do the, the heavy lifting as far as puck movement goes. Yeah. Like that's not gonna be easy for him. <clears throat> yeah, that'll be interesting. Um he'll probably soon be a proponent of the shortened season. Like many others, um, other defensive players that have perhaps been noticed for the wrong reasons. Dan Hamuse has kind of been, I guess he's maybe one he's, he's one year past one year past the the career. Um, he, he's old, like old. Yeah, players, exactly. Old players get old. Like father time remains undefeated. Yeah. And he was, I think, Hamuse was a great boost to the team when he joined, just because they've had so much, pro- so many problems that, in terms of defensive depth. And Hamus, if nothing else, could stand up on the blue line and disrupt transition. So it seems like maybe that element of his game has has waned, and that's really the strength that he bought or he brought to the team. Rather, He's still a better puck mover than Irwin and Weber, though, which is hilarious. And, and uh, to to our final point, this third pairing continues to be a real issue for the Predators. They can't basically Yannick Weber is kind of the because he's right-handed, he's kind of the permanent fixture. Matt Irwin is, I mean, just, I don't I don't like to pile on a guy. That's not really how I like to talk about players, but he really just hasn't earned his spot on this team. The only reason he's sticking around is because they don't have a viable replacement yeah. in the system. They I mean, just don't. Allard, Carrier, and Davies are clearly not ready. And right. that, that really is hurting them. A lot of the guys they thought they had are not there yet. Yeah. So I really wouldn't be surprised, um, especially... And I don't... I mean, not even necessarily talking about the specifics of Nashville, the Nashville Predators, but when you look objectively at a team that has sort of a crowded forward core and could use really two or three better defenseman, um, certainly one. You have to kind of think maybe they'll they'll compromise some of that, some, an offensive player for another defenseman um, as they approach February. And I think that would be the right move. I don't think the loss of one of these, I, you know, you're basically going to have two borderline elite centers. You're going to have some really great scoring ta- shooting talent on your wings no, mar- no matter who you lose so I don't think it would be a bad idea to trade away 
Um, I mean, who do you who do you trade though? I, I mean, I would I would have to say it would still be Turris. I think that he yeah he's just kind of the odd man out, and he's playing really well this year relative certainly relative to last year. He's been a lot more visible. Again, I think that's probably due to recovering from an injury that maybe we didn't realize um, was as bad as it was, the ankle injury from last year. But he still kind of doesn't fit, you know, unless yeah. they're really because they can't. You can't really having him as a winger isn't viable. And if you and if you trade, I mean, who are who are the other options to trade away? Like basically Nick Benino, who you're not gonna get enough value in return to really get a good depth defenseman, in my opinion, a third-pairing defenseman. Especially I just, one that's like at a reasonable cost. Yeah. Because people are going to want you to take back money on that deal because that is... Yeah. $4 million for Nick Benino is still a yikes. So, yeah. I mean, and, and Turris, like, <laughs> his he's improving his own value every day. You know, he's... I'd say it was... You know, the rumor that came out today was that they, they were absolutely trying to deal him over the summer... And the right, the right deal just never came. And, I, I mean, his value was at an all-time well, low. Well, apparently, the, the right deal doesn't matter because they traded P.K. Subban for nothing. Yes. So, yeah. Boy, imagine if they hadn't actually worked out with Duchesne. Yeah. Oof. Anyhow, um, I, promised, <laughs> I promised myself I would stop talking so much. You wouldn't get into too much Subban fanfare. Um, but, yeah, I'd say that in terms of players who have value, trade value, who... Losing would not be a huge detriment to the the offense. As much as I do like Carl Torres, I just like personally, he's been kind of I've I've been on on the on his, in his corner even through the dark times. It's a weird player to be in in the corner of. <laughs> but that's you know, Salovey. So I'd say he's probably still the number one guy that could get dealt for a defenseman. Um, um, again, it's still so early because a lot of the winners don't know. Like a lot of the winners, everyone thinks they're they're a winner at this point. There are a lot of teams that haven't true. realized that they really have no chance and they should start rebuilding. The Buffalo Sabers. Yeah, now would be a good time to trade. Like, I mean, eh, not Rasmus Ristolainen. I don't even know who he would go for off that Buffalo yeah. Sabers blue line. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's as with every year, there are certainly a handful of teams that are completely overperforming right now and. That's a bad place to be. <laughs> I would much rather be a Dallas Stars where you have a much better product than what is currently on the ice yeah. or currently being shown on the ice rather really? than being like a Colorado or a Buffalo who are just playing out of their shoes right I now. I mean, Colorado is... Oh, Col- no. Yeah. Colorado's a good team. I'm not saying they're... But they are, they're not they're saying, saying they're equivalent to Buffalo. But yeah, they're, they're, they have the... At least as of last week, I was I looked at this before... Our, Good friend Jack Woods' show. I think they had the, the highest PDO in the league by, oh. by a fair margin. And they're the only team with a, a shooting percentage in the ballpark of Nashville's. Nashville's, <laughs> I assume, is still the highest by far. It was the highest, certainly, for a while. Um, yeah, yeah, Tampa's up there, 104.7. Yeah. Wow, things change very quickly with this early in the season. Yeah. It's, it's crazy what you get without a sample size. Yeah. Colorado still okay. eighth overall with one one hundred two point six, but I mean, yeah, they saw that eight point seven shooting yeah. percentage. So basically, their goaltending has has come back down. Anyhow, so all this is to say, yeah, like you said, teams everyone feels like they've got it going on right now. Yeah. Um. Once once the the cards start to fall into place, the teams will be looking to dump. You know. I'm still in it. I still, I still think 
Turris, Tolvan, and a first for Taylor Hall. Let's go. I just said we got to commit to this offense thing. Yeah, Tolvanen is in an interesting spot. I mean, Tolvanen just recorded his first goal of the season in the, in the AHL. And I think that he is... This is, what, his... Second year in the AHL, so yeah. third year since being drafted. Right. I'm not... I mean, I'm not ready to have a... No, I guess he's 20 like, years old. Yeah, like, there's still, no reason to... He is still developing. I think that his... His trade value has probably decreased since the the cage like record setting KHL year. Yeah. Um, yeah, he currently has three points in nine games and one goal. And it's been a slow start. I don't know what Milwaukee's record is. I can look that up. But yeah, you'd like to see a little bit more. You'd like to see a little bit more play driving from him. But as you say, say la vie. Yeah. No, it's. I don't think anyone should. It's just funny because he's ever since he was drafted, he's been touted as kind of the the prospect in the system or the you know the upcoming talent in the system. And I think, like you say, with the team where it is right now, which is essentially, I'd say they're they're one of the league's most hardcore win now teams, especially after signing Yossi to this deal. Yeah, that that was not a for the future move. No, that is a. We don't want this guy to go to another team for the next two, three years. And it's a good deal for the next two, three years. After that, it'll start to decline. But that's fine. I'm certain, I don't think you or I are critics at all of that deal. I mean, I have stuff to say about it, but yeah. Yeah, so, we, can, we can talk about that in a minute. But so yeah, uh, The Admirals are currently tied for fifth place in the Central Division. Or, I'm sorry, second place in the Central Division. <laughs> but they are tied with one, two, three, four teams. Yeah. And they're only one place behind... The Iowa Wild yeah. lead, like nine games in. So yeah, it's okay. You'd like to see more than three, yeah, four wins. You'd like to see more yeah. than three points in in nine games, but you know what you're gonna do. Yeah, so I'm. I don't know. I'm. I'm still. I would think like like my mind says that maybe the deal that Nashville works out will be a player like Turris for some defenseman, probably an older guy. I can't even think of an older guy that no. they would want them. No, I haven't even, I, I'm not going to speculate because I haven't sat down to really look at it. But it would be very interesting if they decide, you know what, we're going to package this. We're, we've got Tolvan in the system who has yet to blow anyone's minds. Again, it's fine. He's yeah, 20, 20 years, years old. old. That's fine. Like okay. he's not, It's not a criticism of him, but he's not coming to revolutionize your offense anytime soon. Yeah. So if, you can, if a team sees value in him and wants to deal a better... Uh, you know, a tanking team, yeah. of which there are several. I mean, who could you get off of, like, Ottawa? No, Ottawa's, Ottawa mean, is no longer an NHL team. <laughs> like, they're just ignored. They're, they're in danger of being relegated. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think, I don't know. That's really tanking. That's Miami Dolphins tanking right there. And I respect okay, yeah. the hell you, out of you it. You're going to show some, show some respect. Ottawa was tanking before <laughs> the Dolphins even thought. Ottawa's been tanking for I'm, a bit. I'm now. pretty sure that the Dolphins saw, like, the owner of the Dolphins saw Ottawa Center's game and was like, this is it. This is what <laughs> we do. the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, I think... Well, no, they, they thought they were going to be good. Oh, they're slated to play each other Week 14. Soon. That's right. Oh, I'm ready. I, I've cleared all they my They need to put that on primetime. They really yeah. need to put that on primetime. America's game of the week, just who yeah. wants it less. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the Yossi deal. That's a big, okay. quote-unquote, elephant in the room. So they sign him eight years, bit over $9 million a year. Hmm. Um, Front-loaded, of course. So he's getting paid a whole lot of money this year. Um, 
immediate reaction? It's a lot of it's a lot of time. Like so, I guess I should preface this. He was never not going to get eight or eight years. He was never not going to get this much amount of money. That said, like the Predators were backed into a corner, they couldn't not sign him. Especially after when they traded away Subban, it was all but certain that they were going to have to sign Yossi. That said, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of term, especially for a guy that thrives on his skating and like a lot of the things that deteriorate very quickly when you get older. And I think he's going to be, I think he's 29 this year, so I think he turns 30 next year. So yeah, yep. he'll be 30 to 30, 30 to 38, I believe is what the deal goes to. I'll, I'll confirm. Yeah, and uh, of course the all-too-rare no-trade clause from David Poyle. Yeah, which... Um, yeah. You know, the phrase that comes to mind, of course, is market value. It's, that's someone else. Someone was going to pay him that. Yeah, some, and someone was likely going to pay him more. So he, his birthday is June 1st. At this, When this deal kicks in on June 1st, he will be 30. Yeah. So... I mean, no, yeah, it's the, it's, the Predators had no choice to pay him right. to pay him this money, and quite frankly, they're lucky he decided to take just over nine million. Yeah, I, 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 I had a hard time seeing him leaving, and I'll say because his wife is a national yeah. native. Patrick Marlowe's wife was from was a San Jose native, and he still went to Toronto. And where did he end up? <laughs> Back in San Jose. Two years <laughs> later. Two years later. Yeah, that's a fun little trip. Yeah. Two years in in Toronto. I'm sure that'd be fine. Yeah. I mean, you know, hockey's kind of a big deal there. Yeah. Imagine being being married to one of their players, yeah. the least players, is kind of fun. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah, I think that would be the reaction you get from both of us is like, ouch, that's a lot of money in term for an older defenseman, yeah. relatively older defenseman, but also what else were you going to do? You When you deal Subban over the summer, you can't exactly afford to lose yeah. your other best defenseman. Yeah. <laughs> um, although, of course, Ellis is... Else is coming back into the spotlight yeah. a little bit, but well, coming back apparently he's been the best player for a long time. <laughs> yes, depending on what you look at. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Yossi deal. I don't think there's any reason to get up in arms about it. Mm. I don't think anything really changes. We're gonna look at this in five years and say call it an albatross. Oh, it hurts, but you know, I mean, yeah. If, if the players win a cup in the next five years, then exactly. who cares? Like that. And if they win multiple, then double. Who cares? It's it's the whole thing with the Blackhawks. Like, oh, they suck now. You know, they have yeah small price C- to pay. Seabrook in, in the press box because he signed a deal. Yeah, but he he won them. He helped win them three cups. Yep. Like, who cares? Yep, having twenty shot attempts in a game against your former rival is a small price to pay for winning three cups in a decade. Yeah. People yeah. talk. People talk to me about like, oh, it must suck. It must be terrible. The Warriors suck now. Like. I, They've been the best team the world's ever seen for the last five years. I could give, I couldn't yep. care less what happens for the next twenty. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's an interesting hypothetical question, by the way, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this. How many, and and maybe in football too, because that's what actually I ended up thinking about. But mm-hmm. in hockey, how many years does a cup buy you in terms of poor results? Well, you know, in baseball, it buys you zero. Yeah, seeing as the Red Sox guy got fired. Um, <laughs> Like I think, from a general fan, how how I feel like it buys you two or three, and like we call it the the Claude Julian uh, paradox. Because I don't know if you remember back in two thousand eleven when he was when they won their first cup, he was like going to be fired. Like the team had told him, like, listen, if you don't make the playoffs, or or we don't go far in the playoffs, yeah. we're firing you. And he was like, all right. Then they won it all, and then twenty thirteen, the Bruins weren't necessarily the powerhouse. You know, they weren't exactly a powerhouse again, and they told him the same thing. Like, if you don't go deep, we're gonna fire you. And he. he 
got to the Stanley Cup but lost in six games, and there's Bruins management just grudgingly sat on the sidelines being like, well, we want to fire this guy, but we can't. Right. Yeah, you can't do that. So generally about two, I think two or three years is what it really buys you. Otherwise, we'll just take a look at what, you know, who's the, who's the head coach of St. Louis? How long he how yeah. long it takes it for him to get fired? I don't know his name. I should probably know that. Yeah. Yeah. Things that I don't fill my headspace with. He's an St. Old, Louis Blues coach. He's an old tough guy. I can't even remember. So do you think, too, that it... The, okay, so the example that pop, that made me even have this question was the New England Patriots because I, it, the, room, the big rumor is that Tom Brady is retiring mm-hmm. after this year. So they're likely going to take a step back. So my overall, my question is: if you win multiple championships oh, in any sport, what is the what is the like? Is it exponential? Because I would say if you if you're a Chicago Blackhawks team that's won three cups in the past decade, you. I mean, how long... It bought Quinville, like, three years. Like, it really didn't do anything. Yeah. I would say... I mean, I would say that that... I couldn't be upset at that team. It, it, if it were the team I supported, and they won multiple championships in a short amount of time... Oh, if I'm the it owner... It would be a long time before I could get upset at them for bad results. If I'm the owner, I'm giving... After two after two cups, I'm giving the, the coach or the GM stock. I'm just like... <laughs> yeah. Like, like you, you own the yeah. team now. Cool. Like... Yeah. I don't know. I, I I guess three years is what I would say. Because it, it comes back to my my overly simplistic point that in a salary cap sport, you should be either going to win or tanking. There yeah, should be no perpetu- perpetuity. I can't say that word. Perpetu- perpetual. Yeah, I was trying to turn it into a noun. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, yeah, the, you well, shouldn't just try to be pretty good for a while. I think that's a very bad place to be. Well, but if you win, then you're allowed to suck for a while, in my opinion. You also have to remember though, that the NHL is one of those weird leagues where they don't really do as much revenue sharing, and so teams like Florida lose a ton of money every year. Yeah. Whereas, like, that's uh, true. What, what what is like an NFL team that that? Brand, oh, actually, uh, MLB is a better one. Like the Florida Marlins, who haven't been winners in ever. Yeah. And I think sell like hundreds of tickets per game on average. Oh, the, yeah. They still Same. empty. They still make mil like almost. I mean, they still make tons of money every year. And I'm not going to speculate because I'm terrible at that sort of thing. But, it, you know, in the NHL where there's not that revenue sharing doesn't really exist, if you win or if you make it into the playoffs and you get those two home games, that, that's a huge boost to your bottom line. That's true. And there are some owners who really need that boost to their bottom that's line. That's true. Yeah. And so they're fine with perpetual mediocrity. Yeah. Um. Anyway, all that is to say, yes, the Yossi deal will suck in several years, yeah. but that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um, as long as they win. Yeah. But if they don't... Yeah, then, then we'll pick them apart. They're screwed. I mean, if they win, they could sign Michael for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah. I, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Sign me anytime you want. <laughs> Anyhow, um, what, else is, what else is on our docket tonight? I don't know. I didn't do any planning. Yeah, no, we can we can answer some of these questions. All right, kind of early, but you know. I mean, forty minutes, and I feel like this is. We've, we've Apollo, your dog has been chill for a minute, so we yeah. better start hurrying. This He's way. been a good boy. <laughs> Alrighty, let's see. Thank you very much to those who submitted questions. Makes yeah. our life more interesting. Otherwise, we would just go on tangents about the New England Patriots or whatever, <laughs> the Florida Marlins. Yes. God forbid. Yikes! So, Brian Pro. Proj Pat Summer. Proj Pat Summer. Summit, that's it. Uh, good old Brian. Uh, butcher, you just butchered that. Yeah, well, 
everyone knows Brian now. Brian Brian has become a a staple of the national analytics community. So if you don't know ProjPad Summit, that's that says more about you than us. Anyhow, Uh, is Johansson start concerning, or do the microstats suggest it's a slump? To be fair, a, a slump is concerning, but. I'd say it's a slump more than anything else. We kind of talked about it. Yeah. Quality and competition's gone up. Quality and teammates gone down. He still has a life in him, as he showed against the Blackhawks. But you know, you, you hope you hope the the numbers start coming. I I don't actually know what his point totals look like this this season. Um, that Blackhawks game was fun because it answered a question that I've had for a while, which is what would happen if an NHL player played against my. Adult league team, <laughs> which is basically what Johansson did last night. Um, he still has ten points in twelve games. Like, yeah. We talk about a slump just because he's not producing. He didn't produce as much as Duchesne did in the beginning, but Duchesne's been held without a point like the last four yeah. games. So now he is fifteenth on the team in expected goals four per sixty, and alarmingly very near the bottom in expected goals against per sixty. Um. Let's see, in terms of high danger chances, he is, again, quite average, or even well below, a little bit below average. So, sample size being what it is, which is very, he's played all 12 games, um, if memory serves. Yes, as what the computer in yes. front of you tells you, yes. And memory, uh, RAM, random access memory. Uh, hey. <laughs> God, I hate you. Um, yeah, all 12 games. I mean, we're talking about 150 minutes of sample size. That's not anything. So, a five-on-five sample size, at least. I'd say that he will bounce back. I think, again, the lines are not what they will end up being. Unless Forsberg, as we mentioned earlier, comes back and just picks up where he left off with Duchesne. I'm guessing their production will dry up slightly, if not a lot. You mean they're going to shoot 16% forever? Mm. Crazier things have happened... McBenito. On this team in the past year. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who's really to say? Um, I would not worry about Johansson. I think that once once he ends up with some familiar faces and maybe... Uh, maybe they should... St- with the- So I would say that his defensive game is tends to make up for it when he's offensively not producing, but his expected goals against is a little bit concerning. So I would say that if I were in the coaching room... I would start shifting him away from some of the competition he's been seeing during home games. Yeah. Well, but that's also part of what's made Duchesne so successful is that his yeah. line is like picked apart second and third lines. Which is, it's funny, this is, and it, it's, I would say it's certainly not unique to La Violette, but that's been a kind of a, a shtick of Peter La Violette's teams in the past couple of years where the second line just gets basically a wide open shot because yeah. the first line is getting buried. And I guess, and, and, I would say rightfully so. Johansson has kind of earned trust in that area where you can really put him out against the top top talent every night, and he's not, and he's going to at least stop the bleeding, if not turn it around. But you're right; it's you're basically going to have to come up to a come to a fork in the road where you say who who are we going to give you know the, the keys to the offense to, um, and right now Johansson's getting the short end of that stick, and not doing as well as maybe you'd expect. But I think he'll. He'll just improve naturally, just yeah. based on he'll regress back to the exactly game. based on just basic statistics. He'll come right back. And he's still scoring. He still has ten points in, in twelve games yeah. in all strengths. Like, it things aren't going that poorly for him. Yeah. you'd like to see his play. He's not. He's not the head turner that he usually is in Nashville. But well, the, well for yeah. for some, yes. for me, you know, some some in the uh, 
the upper bowl may have heard <laughs> some some audible reactions to the things Johansson was doing on the ice last night. And for that, I can only apologize. Disgusting. <laughs> Um, what's next? Our next question, which we actually just answered, was where should Forsberg be slotted in that test by at Harold Haroldy31, which I think is a fantastic Haroldy. name. Haroldy? Who yeah. among us was not raised on Harold and Kumar? <laughs> <laughs> uh, NPH. Anyways, uh, we already asked, we kind of answered that question. I just wanted to you know take a moment to acknowledge Well, it's Haroldy. I, I mean, did we give a clear answer? Where should Forsberg should be I mean, slotted? It, our answer is, it depends. And That's a shitty answer. Come on. Uh, I'd say Jofa. Okay. Bring back Jofa. And who do you put with Duchesne? Uh, Kelly Arncrook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Craig, uh, give him Craig Smith. Give, I think Craig Smith's been really good in the last couple of games. I wouldn't mind trying him in, in a better role. Move Arncrook down a little bit. Or who knows, maybe uh, move some dead weight and put Granlin on the third line. I didn't, ta- I didn't talk about him. I'm disappointed. Say- He's been bad. He isn't. Com- he's attempted six high danger passes. It hasn't completed a single one. He. I will say, I test. I didn't really bother looking at any stats from last night because it was just you know why you know do you look do you look at stats in like for a trainer for practice basically no. or a trainer sure like there's there was no opposition so basically everyone could do what they wanted but uh, I test tells me that Graham was the only player who wasn't who didn't look good for Nashville. He was. It's like he was constantly struggling to keep up with the play. Oh, he, he was hitting he, people late because he couldn't keep up with where the puck was going. And he didn't. I think last night he was one and four on zone battle or on uh, puck battles. Yeah, like he was not good, so. and he, uh, that's been very. He's the only player that has had a zero battles won and a six battles lost in the same game. Wow. Kind of sound like yeah. he's really had a tough time. And when you talk about contracts. That Nashville has three free agents coming up, is that right? Over uh, the summer? They have a bunch, but the three main ones are is gonna be Taurus. I'm not sorry, not Taurus, oi. It's gonna be Craig Smith at four point I think four point two five, Mikhail Granlund at five point seven five, and then Austin Watson at one point one. And and how what do you say I don't know. How many of those guys are sticking around, do you think? Well, Austin Watson's gonna stick around because there is no justice in this world. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, he'll probably he'll probably get a raise. He'll, he'll probably want Colton Sisson's money, and Dan Paul will be like, "Fine, you've been with the team for so long." Um, that'll be a mistake. Otherwise, or who who knows though? Who maybe maybe they they, they don't. Um, Craig Smith will probably not get four point two five again. It really depends what kind of year he has from here. If he scores his usual twenty, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Preds offer him three and see another team offer him four and watch him walk away into the sunset. Which that's the case. Totally watch him walk away. Yeah. Totally, yeah. Think, you know, give him a give him a gold watch. Thank him for his service and say, "Well, we'll see you next time, buddy." Um, I this is going to be Mikhail Granlund's last big deal. I th- he'll finally be a UFA. He's going to be, I think, twenty nine or thirty. Or he's going to be in the twenty eight to twenty nine range. I think he's going to want more money. I can't imagine that he takes a uh, that he takes a what's the opposite of a raise. A pay cut. A pay cut, thank you. I can't imagine he takes a pay cut. Uh, especially to stay with a Predators team that he really doesn't have any elite reason to be like allegiant to. Yeah. And it's not like with Duchesne where people are like, he wants to come to this team and he's told all of his friends he yeah. wants to come to this team. Granlin hasn't really shown us his cards. He uh, he did dress up with Pecorino, though, and they're significant others for Halloween. They that, were a- that doesn't really mean anything. I'd, on, dress up, I'd dress up a Pecorino if you asked me to. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, and you would play for an NHL team if, if they if, wanted yes, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean it's a good idea. It doesn't mean I'm going to stay with them. I want my gold watch. I don't want <laughs> yeah. the sunset. Um, let's see. I think is that... So, oh, there's another good so question. Aside you, from Gumpy's throwaway question, which I will be answering. <laughs> don't you dare turn this off, Gumpy. Thank you, Gump. Uh, would you consider sending down Fabro? And if so, who would you call up? Allard, Carrier, Davies, etc. Is asked by Joseph Gentasio. Gentasio. Joseph. Joseph is not a name you typically see with the last name like Giannatasio. No, no, Italians like Joseph. Really? Yeah. They're big into that whole spirituality Christian thing. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Spoken like a true Greek. Uh, anyhow, what yeah. did he ask us? Oh, if, oh, if Fabro should be sent down, and, and if so, who gets pulled up? We really shouldn't look at these questions before we start because I think yeah. we sort of naturally gravitate towards them. Because yeah. we've already talked about this. There really isn't a good... And, and we're not even talking about replacing Faro. The team is not... Like, the team is in worse shape than that. They they need to replace players worse than Faro at this point. Yeah. Faro is not the, your concern. I mean, it's concerning how he's playing, but... Faro developing in a less competitive league is a luxury the team can currently not afford because defensively they're kind well, of barely they, hanging on. They could afford it, but they decided to trade away the insurance. I... <laughs> PK Subban. <laughs> Let's talk. No, I'm kidding. Um, Welcome back to Between the PK Subban. <laughs> Between the Subban rants is what it I is. Think, I feel like we've had an episode titled that. I'm sure. I've, I, literally, that's all we would talk about. Yeah. Man. Um, speaking of the <laughs> Devils. Oof. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. Anyhow. Um, they don't have yeah. anyone in the system that is... I mean, sure, like, it's an 82-game season, and... Wins and losses they at this should, point don't matter. Maybe you, sure, give someone should, a shot. Give them a call. Yeah, yeah, give them a shot. Give yeah. them give them ten minutes of your total t- season time and see yeah. what happens. And if they and if they disappoint, who cares? Right. Send them send them the first plane back to Milwaukee and call it a day. Like, Nashville has had a convincing winning record with bad defensemen <laughs> before with and AHL, currently with an AHL third pair, probably yeah. in 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 time until time immemorial. There's that sense. I'm I'm really man. You're you're terrible. My oof, my time related nouns and adjectives tonight have been terrible. Yeah. Usually um, your time related nouns are so much better. I know. That's kind of what I'm. <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind what of my like calling. Our, that's what our friendship is really based off of. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyhow, but yeah, sure. Call someone up. I wouldn't call them up for Fabro. Um, if well, it depends on what your goal is. If your goal is to make the National Predators a better team, then leave Fabro and and drop one of the other guys. Yeah. Um, if your goal is to make Fabro a better player, then yeah, yeah. send him down, let him play against some just AHL Central Divisioners, and just tell him no dumping the puck. Whatever you yeah. do, if we if you turn it over, fine. Every you time have you have to take every it time you dump the puck, you get an extra game in Milwaukee. Yeah. See how long you last. <laughs> um. Yeah, Nashville's defense, no bueno at the moment. Can it get better with players in the system right now? Probably not. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sure, worth yeah. a shot. Worth a look. Yeah. Finally, a question from Cameron Gumpy. Uh, asks for a, a preview of uh, the Mighty Drunks game tonight against the somethings. Nashvillains. Nashvillains. Yeah. Well, let me tell you right off the bat, the... Nashville Adult Hockey Stats website is not in good shape. Um, although it is crediting with crediting me with the one assist that I have personally tracked for myself, so it's right on me. 
Um, this is really what matters. It does currently say that our goaltender has 11 goals allowed on 11 shots, which I can say is not far off by no fault of his own. <laughs> but it's not true. He has saved at least a shot. So, uh, Cam, I'd say get some sleep right now because the game, it's currently 7 p.m. on a Wednesday, and the game is in four hours. So <laughs> drink some coffee. Get ready. Uh, go stand in front of the net all on Nick Benino, and I'll try to shoot it at you, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. George, any uh, any remaining points? Anything you need to get off your chest? Well, that I can say on air without yeah, incriminating. Aside, no, from, aside I, from that sweatshirt. <laughs> I like this sweatshirt. It's really cozy. I don't know. Um, what else do I have to say? Don't get your hopes up. Everything in life will disappoint you. <laughs> That's kind of it. Yeah, uh, that's, you know, that's yeah, there's one thing Anna Lisa taught me is that everything good will eventually run out. That's true. That which goes up must come down. And that which goes down will stay there. <laughs> there's there is no there is no hope. As, as a good friend <laughs> once told me, if you're not depressed, you're not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was me. George, where can we find you <laughs> yeah. online? Well, you can find me on Pellybox Radio. Uh, I'll hopefully actually be doing things with my microstats tracked, which if you ask a certain person that does isolated impacts who really cares about microstats mm. um that was an interesting debate yeah that was a that was a fun one apparently compared a lot of people are now arguing that roman yossi is just bad that but, was the weirdest like that was a weird heel polarizing turn. argument out of nowhere that i have ever seen i don't think that i'm not going to name his name mm. and it is a person whose whose work that i greatly respect but if your conclusion is that Roman Yossi is just straight up bad. I have some pretty big questions about your methodology. Although it was fun to see people that have come to me and said, no, there's PK Suma was bad last year. Look at this chart. Yeah. I have to reconcile and be like, well, no, this is wrong. Roman Yossi's good. And be like, yeah, can't be both. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Roman Yossi is a good player. In fact, don't don't take my word for it. Look at his stats. Look yeah. at him, watch him play. Is he, he a good zone defenseman? Oh, oof, no. Oof. It does. Do the other elements of his game make up for it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when when your entire model is ignoring transition data, maybe your model isn't perfect. I I don't know. I Woo! yeah. I don't know. Shade. Maybe okay. it's just me. Have you shared your Twitter handle? Uh, George M ten nineteen. I'm hopefully gonna be dropping more micro stats just on Twitter. Just little stats bombs. Little micro stats. Micro bombs. Yeah. Uh, those will be fun and. Remember, if you ask me for my stats and you're not willing to pay me, I'm going to leave you on read. Ooh. Yeah. There you go. Uh, no one has ever asked me for my stats, <laughs> so I don't have that comment. Uh, you can find me, Mike Wade, on Twitter at WadeM117. Wadeem. It's been a while since we've done this. Yeah. Uh, and probably will be a while before. <laughs> just... knowing, knowing us. Yeah, you gotta res- you. you gotta respect the historical trend. Yeah. yeah, listen, I don't like being the busy guy. I hate being the person that's like, oh, I'm so busy all the time. But things, you know, it's, yeah. it's hard to do this. Well, I think also mentioned, along with the stats thing, if you come up to me while I'm at a urinal, please don't talk to me. I disagree, actually. <laughs> if you come up to George at a urinal, engage him in conversation. You know what? He does like it seri- secretly. I, he complains about it on the ra- on on our podcast, but afterwards he tells me how much he appreciates. <laughs> please don't do this. Please. <laughs> Don't don't do that. I will I will freeze. I will uh, I will play he'll dead. He'll probably be wearing a Pablo Bure jersey. He'll be the only guy in the arena with it on, so you can recognize him from the back. That's because I'm the only person with good taste. Sharks, by the way. Woo! Yeah, big old fucking yikes. I mean, 
obviously they're better than their record entails, but yeah, this could get worse before it gets better. Yep. Oh, well, poor I, I didn't want to be happy anyways. Poor one-and-a-half-ankled Carlson. Yeah. All right, the dog is waking up. So we'll get out of here. You can find us both at Penalty Box Radio. Of course, I've been listening to Between the Fangs podcast, which I started with. You made fun of me, but I did say the name of our podcast. You did. I sang it, rather. <laughs> um, Between the Fangs. <laughs> <laughs> Please never do that to me ever again. Thanks for listening, everybody.